The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Straight cash, homie. Would you please break a damn story? He took it out. Oh, for you. It's a PFT PM questions only edition. I don't have a whole lot of time. Now, one of the things I'm trying to do, at least for now, is not drone on and on and on when I do these PFT PM podcasts. I want to get right to it. I want to answer your questions. I'm trying to keep it to less than 45 minutes, and I'm trying to engineer the timing of these podcasts so that I have something else I have to do. So right now it's 325 PM Eastern. I have a meeting at 4.05 p.m. Eastern. Thus, I'm going to answer as many questions as I can between now and then. Let's get right to it. PFTPM Posse, could players use the XFL as a way to withstand an owner-imposed work stoppage as it has the infrastructure, etc., but not stars? Having NFL players would bring the XFL a lot of new revenue and ads that could be used to pay them a living salary. I like the idea. I like the concept. Here's the problem. XFL isn't going to do it. You know why the XFL isn't going to do it? Because XFL games are televised by Fox and ESPN. And if the XFL says to NFL players, come play with us and you won't have to bow to the NFL. You won't have to say uncle. Uncle. Say, Uncle, Uncle! You won't have to do any of that. The NFL isn't going to be happy with ESPN and Fox. In fact, I think one of the reasons why the XFL has yet to target college players who aren't eligible for the NFL draft but could put a year or two into the XFL, ESPN is fully leveraged, fully invested, fully maxed out in its relationship with college football, and college football would not like it one bit if the XFL starts cherry-picking guys like Trevor Lawrence. But where you're accurate here, PFTPM Posse account, is the notion that the players need to have leverage that mirrors the concept of replacement players. That's what happened in 1987. Players went on strike. NFL missed a week. They got guys together. They brought in replacements And after a couple of weeks of that, the players caved in. The players need their own league. The players need their own platform. The players need to be able to say to the league, hey, if you're going to lock us out, we're going to go do this instead. The problem is you need a broadcast partner, and that broadcast partner needs to have no relationship with the NFL, nor any aspiration to ever align with the NFL. And that's a lot to give up when there's no guarantee you're ever even going to press the button and initiate the process. Hey, YouTube, you don't have a deal with the NFL. How would you like to broadcast NFLPA alternative games during a strike and or a lockout in 2021? Oh, we'd like that very much. 
even though that would prevent us from ever doing business with the NFL. We'd love to do business with you. When are we doing business? Well, first, there's got to be a lockout or a strike. BFDPM policy via the CJ Newman, all things considered, which side of the CBA discussions appear to have more overall leverage because of the bargaining chips, NFL or NFLPA. Well, this dovetails with the prior position, the prior question, the prior topic. The United States has created a system that allows employees to unionize. And once they unionize and once they have a union contract, and once that contract expires, the two sides have devices for getting what they want. For management, it's the lockout. For players, for laborers, for workers, it's the strike. And unless and until players are willing to sit there and not flinch during a lockout, or they're willing to be the ones who walk out after a contract expires, the leverage isn't equal. Ultimately, when push comes to shove, the owners are getting their way. That's why there's currently an offer on the table, a ball on the tee for a 10-game CBA with a 17-game regular season by 2021. Because D. Smith, the NFLPA executive director, understands that if it comes down to it, in the days preceding the launch of the 2021 preseason, following the imposition of an offseason lockout by the league, at some point, as the players close in on losing money, on losing the ability to play, the players are going to say, let's take the best offer we can get. So, if that's the case, if that's where this is ultimately going to end up, let's just take the best offer we can get now. Because if you do it now, the NFL can then parlay labor piece into new deals for Monday Night Football, Sunday Night Football, Thursday Night Football, all day on Sunday early afternoon, late afternoon, Sunday, ticket, everything, before the presidential election takes a chunk out of the ratings. Although I don't think 2020 is going to do what 2016 did. I think people are fatigued by it, and I base that on my own experience as a consumer of news. In 2016, it was different. In 2016, there was this unprecedented disruptor to the process that was compelling. 2020, we're just kind of sick of all of it. I feel like that's where we're moving. But still, why risk it? Why risk it? Ratings are high. The vibe is good. Get the deals done. There's also a concern of a recession looming. Get the deals done. Get the deals done. So I think that's why they're taking this up now, this 17-game possibility. Because they're going to accept it later when they're staring at the loss of regular season slash preseason revenue and the inability to play games. So you may as well agree to it now and get more money than if you play this out and maybe the TV properties aren't regarded 
as being as valuable or the networks don't have the same budget because we're in the early stages of a recession. That's it. Another one from the CJ Newman. Is Sims going to buy that stake or is it going to be a running gag? You know, we did a double or nothing for something and I can't remember what it was. I can't remember what it was, so I can't remember whether I have two steak dinners or none. But you know what? I'll buy my own steak dinner. I guess it was just a gag. And it's not even a running gag because we don't mention it very often. Another one from the C.J. Newman. Boy, the C.J. Newman's got nothing else to do today. Please try to get Steve Young on the pod. He's my favorite. What happened between you two? He doesn't even have Twitter. Nothing's happened between the two of us. What's happened between the two of us? I'm not a big fan of people who are in NFL media and who have said they really don't like football and they're just doing it to prop up their side hustle. And for Steve Young, it's far from a side hustle. He's got a hedge fund. His partners like him being involved in the NFL because it makes it easier for them to attract clientele. It's a nice little icebreaker. You've not only got a Hall of Fame quarterback who took the 49ers to Super Bowl 29 championship, but you've also got a guy who's actively involved now in the league and is on ESPN every Monday night during the season. And I guess that carries something with it, although I ain't got no hedge fund. Maybe I'm doing something really, really wrong here. Maybe I should start doing the bare minimum with football like Steve Young and find myself a hedge fund to get involved with. I remember seeing that and thinking, man, you know, look, if you're going to do this gig, there's so many people who want to do it. If you're going to do it, do it right. Don't bluff. Don't bluff. There's people in this industry who bluff. I'm not going to name names, but there's a lot of bluffing that goes on. And I don't know whether you just get a rush from it when you're able to pull it off, like Ralphie, when he shoots his eye out and he tells his mom that it was actually an icicle that fell off the roof. Remember that look on his face? I pulled it off. But there's some bluffing. There's some people in this business that really don't follow it the way they claim they do. Don't watch it the way they claim they do. Don't understand it the way they claim they do, but they convince everyone that they do when the light goes on. Noel the Spark D, what is one rule you would implement to the NFL that you think would improve it by efficiency or fun? And one rule you would remove, except fumbling through the end zone, equals a touchback because that obviously needs to change. Anyway, you know, I scroll through these without knowing in advance what they are. I love the kickoff from the XFL. I hope the NFL isn't too proud to swipe that one. Oh, I love that one. Without a doubt, I would take that electric football kickoff. And what I want to see this weekend, I challenge all XFL players. While the ball is in the air, I want each of you to strike an electric football pose, right? I want the linemen to get elbows out and fists under chin. I want some guys to stand there with their their palms out and, and kind of at a slant downward, a diagonal downward. I want a couple of guys to like pretend they're holding the football. It's kind of like the modified Heisman pose, not quite full Heisman. And then there's the the receiver, kind of like you're running. The running man, not the running man dance, but the left arm up and right arm back. And then there's the guys that, that end up being offensive linemen and linebackers that are kind of like in the 
their arms are down and their shoulders are squared and they're like they're ready. There's the those are the five poses. I want to see the guys and the two lines that are five yards apart in the traditional electric football poses while the ball's in the air. Can you do that for me, please? Thank you very much. And one rule I would remove, and this is kind of cheating because it's more addition than subtraction, but it is subtraction. I get rid of the overtime rule. I'd get rid of the overtime rule and I would adopt what the XFL does because it was my idea. And it would be nice if Oliver Luck mentions that a little bit more when he's talking about the rules. I saw an item in The Athletic. He didn't say he got the idea from me. He's admitted to me that he got the idea. Maybe he was just being nice, but it was my idea. The overtime shootout, the two-point conversion shootout. The only problem is with this 1.2.3-point conversion thing they use, I don't know how many ties there's actually going to be. But, you know, it's funny, and MDS pointed this out. The coaches are just going for one. Why you go for one from the two? Go for two from the five at a minimum. Go for three from the ten. You got more room to work with. What the hell? Live a little. These coaches are tight right out of the gates. Well, and maybe they should be. Pepper Johnson, the defensive coordinator of the LA team, got fired after one week. The Coug 56, do you still believe Taysom Hill is a superstar and a franchise quarterback at almost 30? No, I've changed my mind because of a bunch of people on Twitter who don't pay attention to football. I've changed my I've abandoned my position because a concept that is hardly a hot take ends up being this big deal because people who don't pay attention disagree with me. Yeah. Oh, and because Big Cat disagreed with me. I've changed my mind. I yield to the guy with the new jacket every time he's on TV. Look, folks, I don't know what you've been watching the last three years. Taysom Hill is a man among boys when he's on the field. He can clearly run the ball. He can throw the ball. He can catch the ball. Not that you need to do that when you're a quarterback. And, oh, by the way, he's in an offense that is orchestrated by one of the great play designers and play callers of all time who will come up with an offense that will get the most out of Taysom Hill. If you think... Greg Roman, who's never even been a head coach for a single game, can come up with an offense that gets the most out of Lamar Jackson. Where do you see what Sean Payton does with Taysom Hill? And this nonsense, and look, I love a good conspiracy theory. This idea that the Saints are just trying to get someone to sign Taysom Hill to an offer sheet, and I'm somehow complicit in this. I'm trying to help the Saints get the first round pick. I think the Saints want someone to sign Taysom Hill to an offer sheet so they can match it and say thank you for negotiating the contract. Because I think if someone does sign Taysom Hill to an offer sheet, the Saints are going to match it. And I think Taysom Hill is going to be the successor to Drew Brees. And I think Drew Brees is coming back this year. And I think we're going to see a shared starting job. We're going to see much more Taysom Hill. Drew Brees told us at the Super Bowl, if Taysom Hill gets 25 to 30 snaps a game and we're winning, fine by me. He was the best player on the field for either team during the game that the Saints lost to the Vikings in the wild card round. And what proves how little people pay attention. I've seen plenty of tweets saying, oh, tell that to Michael Thomas. Well, look at what Michael Thomas did that day. Michael Thomas is the best receiver in the NFL. I'm talking about that day. That day, Michael Thomas didn't do jack squat. That day, Drew Brees didn't do jack squat. That day, Alvin Kamara, who I love didn't do, relative to Taysom Hill, jack squat. 
Taysom Hill was the best player on the field for either team. Adam Thielen had over 100 yards receiving. I get it. But there was no one more electric. There was no one more dynamic than Taysom Hill. I don't understand why people don't embrace this. Haven't we seen enough? And again, I don't know, people, are you not paying attention to the games? I've been hearing that for years. Anytime that I say something that people who are in the business who are quote-unquote smart and they like you to know it, oh, you must not watch the games. Oh, don't pay attention to his opinion. He doesn't watch the games. No, I'm just in this business to sit around and write stories about it, and I don't watch the games. I watch Taysom Hill, and my eyeballs tell me the guy has the potential to be a future star. And I don't care that he's not 22. He's not a star yet. He'll be a star in the future. That's my belief, and I believe it'll be with the Saints, and I think the likelihood of being a star is far greater if he stays with the Saints. And he's called himself a franchise quarterback, and he said, if the Saints don't view me that way, then I have to leave. I don't think it's that controversial of a position, folks. Well, he hasn't been the starter yet. Yeah, he isn't the starter because Drew Brees is. Steve Young wasn't the starter in San Francisco because Joe Montana was. And eventually, Joe Montana left. And what happened with Steve Young when he was 30? What happened? He became a star. Oh, but you can't become a star at 30. You have to be a future star at 20. What a bunch of shit. So, hey, look. I fully endorse and support the ability of people to express their opinions. And I don't care if people disagree with me, but sometimes it's like, what the hell am I missing, folks? You expose your ignorance. You expose your ignorance when you jump on the idea that Taysom Hill has no chance of being a star player because he isn't one yet and he's about to be 30. That's just stupid. He hasn't had the opportunity to be a starter. Now, the best argument, the best argument, and this is what Big Cat, and I'm, I'm willing to embrace this and discuss it. Big Cat's point was, if Taysom Hill's a future star, why wasn't he the starter when Drew Brees was hurt? And it's not a bad point. Why was it Teddy Bridgewater? Right? Why was it him, not Taysom Hill? And I don't know the answer to that question. Maybe they decided to go with Teddy Bridgewater just to see how it would go, and they won. So they went with him again, and they won, and they went with him again, and they won. So they keep Taysom Hill in his jack-of-all-trades role. And also, you keep the world from figuring out that Taysom Hill has star potential until you can sign him to a new contract. Isn't it possible that the Saints have been judicious in their use of Taysom Hill so as to avoid people realizing, holy shit, this guy's good. Holy shit, we have to sign him. I'll tell you one team that knows how good he is, and they wear purple helmets with horns on them. And it's funny, and I don't want to out Peter's sources, and I don't know the answer to this question, but I will say this. He was on PFT Live one day within the past few weeks talking about a discussion with a general manager who is seriously exploring trying to sign Taysom Hill. And I said, well, that team should be the Vikings. And he laughed in that way that makes me think, I think I accidentally pegged the team. But that may just be me. The Impact 99, how real of a chance do the Falcons have for a deep playoff run this season? Or are they on a potential decline because of bad contracts? Well, look, they have... Salary cap issues for 2020. It's going to take some work. It's going to take some heavy lifting. They're going to have to make some tough decisions. I saw yesterday the 
report that Devontae Freeman may be out. But when you have a great quarterback in Matt Ryan, and Matt Ryan is a great quarterback, and he's quietly rising up the ranks on all of the all-time lists, you have a chance. And this is a team that went from 1-7 and seven to 7-9, and 6-2 and two in the second half of the season. There was a time when we got all excited about those teams. And this year, the Jets and the Falcons are the two teams that started 1-7 and seven and went 6-2. and two. We should be saying, damn, those teams are going to be good. And any team, haven't we seen it? I mean, look at the 49ers. They were 4-12, 4-12. So we got a whole offseason, free agency, draft, there's a lot that needs to be done before we know what teams are going to be for 2020. But every team has a chance in 2020. And if you have a quarterback who is good, you have more of a chance. The Senatorial, who are you most excited to see going into 2020? Well, I, 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 now, that, now that I'm all in on this Taysom Hill thing, and I hope to be vindicated. And of course, here's what's going to happen. If he ends up being a star, nobody's going to say shit. If I'm wrong... I'll never hear the end of it. It'll become the new Dez tape on Twitter. Hey, how about the Dez tape? Where's the Dez tape five years later? That's a good one. Come up with something new. Oh, we got something new. Hey, where's Taysom Hill? He's supposed to be a star. If I'm right, it'll never be mentioned. If I'm wrong, but I don't care. I don't care. As long as the check's clear, people, I don't care. When all else fails, I pull up the spreadsheet with my bank accounts. And I say that half jokingly, only half jokingly. I can take the heat. I love what I do. And I'm going to say what I believe. And if I'm right, great. If I'm wrong and you want to disagree with me, great. But I've kind of gotten to the point where I've done this long enough. You know, I talk all the time about this notion of your lifetime limit of certain things. Like, I've seen enough major fireworks show I don't want to see anymore. Like, I'm kind of getting to the point where I'm just done silently tolerating nonsense and idiocy on Twitter. And I'm going to push back. Hey, if you guys are allowed to do it, I'm allowed to do it too. Reverend Markworth, what was your highlight of Super Bowl week, and when are you looking forward to this offseason non-football related? Highlight of the week for me in Miami, and there were a lot of things that were great. Thursday of Super Bowl week, a day that we just cranked out interview after interview after interview, and they were all good. And the thing that was most rewarding to me, and this is a credit to Sims as well, we've been working together two and a half years now. I have been in a setting in the past with four or five different people where two of us are interviewing someone at the same time. And it is a stressful exercise because you're always wondering who's asking the next question and you're always wondering what question are they going to ask and how far are they going to pull you away from the flow, the natural flow of the interview. And you, you've got hand signals and you've got kind of like, you know, like big eyes, like, Oh, do I go next? Do you go next? You get awkward moments. It's not easy. It's not easy. And you don't have the luxury of preparing for these because it becomes an assembly line. The chocolates are rolling down the conveyor belt and Lucy's doing all she can to get them in the boxes. And I know from experience that it's difficult to do that over and over and over and over again. And Sims and I have gotten to a point through repetition, through just working together, talking to get together, communicating, having a genuinely good relationship where, shit, somebody sits down and we, we just, we have a natural conversation. We have a rhythm, almost like a tennis match between people who can actually play tennis. And 
And it just, it flows perfectly. We had one moment the entire week where we both were kind of dumbfounded. And it was after Juju Smith-Schuster said, yeah, you guys are concerned about AB. I am too. What we're seeing now is different from what we saw when he was behind the scenes in Pittsburgh. And Sims and I both kind of look at each other like, holy crap. One of us has to come up with a question now. That was it. And Thursday was the day where we really made it work. It just kind of fell together. It was one of those days because Wednesday was such a long day and I was sick for a lot of the week. I was recovering from some sort of a virus I picked up before I went to Miami and I was losing my voice. So the doctor put me on a, a short run of prednisone and it messed me up, man. And I felt like, like I was like, trapped inside my body like like I was inside my body operating everything with levers and buttons and the first couple of days when I wasn't at the media center when I'd get back I'd sleep until it was time to go eat dinner and then we get back from dinner and I'd sleep until morning that was Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday was such a long day because we had our live show that night that when Thursday came, it was just one of those days where it was fun the entire day, it worked the entire day, and it was just a rewarding moment. Off-season non-football related. I, don't, I haven't really thought about non-football related this off-season. Although when the weather starts to break and we start firing up the grill on a regular basis and you can just relax. You can just exist and enjoy some time away. And it really doesn't come until after the draft where you just get those couple of months of just appreciating life before the treadmill fires up again. Playoff cap. What's up with cap's book? I don't know what's up with cap's book. I haven't read it. We'll see what's up with cap's book. He did a rare interview with Jared Bell of USA Today talking about his book. I usually get sent copies of these books. We'll see if I get a copy or whether or not I have to go buy one. I don't mind. It's a first world problem when you get stiffed on a free book. I got so many free books in my library. Thank God. I don't know what the hell else I'd put in the, on the shelves. I've read a few of them. I like to read. I like to, I like to, the thing though is I like to read on my phone. Because you can read on your phone. You don't need lighting. I go down to the barn two nights a week, Tuesday and Thursday. I go down to the barn around 9.30, 10 o'clock. Take my phone, read a book, put on some music, have a beverage, smoke a little cigar, and spend about an hour down there. So, I don't know. Maybe I'll have the Kaepernick book on my phone and I'll be reading it at some point soon. 10 New Kirk, important question. Rich free agent, which, let me try that again, which free agent quarterback will sign first this offseason? It's a good question. You know, Philip Rivers isn't a free agent. They haven't cut him. They're just parting ways, and he's eligible to sign a new deal as of March 18. And remember, here's how the situation works. March 18, free agency starts. March 16, the negotiating window, the legal tampering period, opens, where agents can negotiate directly with teams, and they can reach agreements in principle that are not enforceable. Either side can say, psych, before they actually sign the deal on March 18. A couple of players have done that over the year. No team has done that. That would be the kiss of death for the team to do it. It harms relationships. Because you have to be able to trust the word of the agent who says, yeah, my guy's signing the deal. Remember when Frank Gore did that to the Eagles? So the period before March 16 is when the illegal tampering happens. And I think this year it's already happening. 
I got a great explanation today for this report that Matthew Stafford was being uh, the subject of trade talks. I was told, you know, agents are trying to freak out other agents. Agents are trying to get, for example, other agents to not try to place guys with the Colts by saying Matthew Stafford's being traded to the Colts. Like, is that stuff really going to work? How dumb are these agents that if another agent says, well, hey, you know, they're trading Matthew Stafford to the Colts, so don't bother to put quarterback X in Indy because you're wasting your time. You should spend your time trying to put your quarterback elsewhere. Oh, gee, thanks. Good advice. And then the agent who says all that is trying to put his guy with the Colts. But think about the landscape here. Think about all the free agent quarterbacks. All the guys who aren't free agents but may be available via trade, like Cam Newton or Andy Dalton, or may ultimately be released if they can't be traded. Okay, here are the teams that that should at least be looking at the landscape of available free agent quarterbacks and asking themselves, is there a guy out there that we can get? That That's as broad as you can put it. It may be easier to list the, to, to list the teams that... that aren't or shouldn't be asking that question. But here's the, t- and I always flip open the record and fact book, the thing that Chris Mad Dog Russo, Peter King, and I are the only three people in the world who have it all signed by Roger Goodell. It's a, that's, a, that's a bit, that's funny. Here are the, I'm, I've, here's the front cover, 32 teams. I'm going to go through and I'm going to say, here are the teams that at least need to be evaluating this game of musical chairs that is looming, that is already playing, The music's already playing, folks. And the music stops before March 16. And when the music stops, are there going to be more asses than seats or more seats than asses? I don't know. So the teams had better have a plan. And it's also something that spills into what are you going to do in the draft? Dolphins. Patriots. Bengals. Steelers to a certain extent to the extent that they may be looking for one of these veterans to come in and be the backup to Ben Roethlisberger Colts Titans Broncos maybe yes Drew Locke's their guy but Tom Brady wants to come to town for a year or two hmm? Chargers Raiders Washington Cowboys. Oh, they have Dak Prescott. Yes, they do. You know what? The more I think about this Michael Irvin suggestion from last Friday where he said some very significant people but not connected to the Cowboys, very significant people have told him that Tom Brady could end up with the Cowboys. The more I think about it, the more sense it makes because if I'm Jerry Jones, at some point I am exasperated by Dak Prescott's refusal to take the deal I want him to take. And his decision to continue to posture this thing toward the franchise tag and staying away from all off-season and preseason workouts and practices to maximize leverage. I'm at least looking at who's out there and asking myself, is there a better option that more immediately leads me to what Jerry Jones called back in 2012, glory hole. I want me some glory hole. God, every time I say that, I know there's someone who's hearing it thinking, do you understand what you're saying? Yes, I understand what I'm saying. I said what Jerry Jones said. Go to YouTube, not Google. Go to YouTube, 
and type in Jerry Jones glory hole and you'll find the clip and there's two clips there's the basic clip where he says well it served as a reminder that I was here when it was glory hole days and I was here when it wasn't having said that I want me some glory hole and everybody laughs and he's got that demeanor of like I said something funny and I don't know what it is but I'm not going to complain about it and then there's another clip where Rich Dalrymple the team's PR executive says glory hole is a term that is commonly used in the oil and gas exploration business which gives Jerry the out because that's the business he was in before he bought the Cowboys and of course Jerry then throws it back by saying well that's news to me Bears Viking kind of kind of I don't think the Vikings are going to move on from Kirk Cousins but If you don't extend him, what's your plan for 2021? That's a hell of a lot of money, though, to have tied up in quarterbacks. And good luck getting a veteran. Like, could you bring back Teddy Bridgewater and say, you're going to be the number two for one year to Kirk Cousins, and then you're the starter again? Wouldn't that be something? Sign Teddy to be the backup to a three-year deal, and next year, Teddy's the starter. There's some Vikings fans that would love that. Panthers. Buccaneers, Saints kind of, although Drew Brees is coming back and they're going to welcome him back. And I'm going to say it, 49ers. You have to at least consider what's out there and you have to ask yourself, is there an upgrade? And regardless of what Kyle Shanahan said last week about Jimmy Garoppolo, look, what's Kyle Shanahan going to say? Yeah, you know, he missed that throw with the championship on the line, so... We're going to do the prudent thing. We're going to do what we have to do. We do it for every position. We're going to consider what our options are. And if we think we can upgrade, we can. After all, we have until April 1 before $15.7 million in salary vests for Jimmy Garoppolo. And, hey, we've had that term all these years. We may as well use it one of these years. Why don't we use it this year? Yeah, we may. You're not going to come out and say that. But I think he owes it to himself and to the organization to consider whether or not there's a potential upgrade. Maybe there isn't. So to answer your question, Thomas Newkirk, I don't know which one's going to be first, but all those planets are going to line up ahead of time. A lot of these deals are going to be done before the negotiating period even opens. Steph Boyardee, what if instead of paying a quarterback top money, that team just drafts a new quarterback every four years and uses the extra money to add pieces, especially after seeing someone like Jimmy in the Super Bowl? Well, remember, that became an issue last year, and Big Cat at one point on PFT Live said, eventually one of these teams is going to say to a guy, who is ready for that big contract. Sorry, we're not doing it. I thought the Rams were going to say it to Jared Goff. And you know what? After one year under this big money contract, maybe the Rams wish they had. They're never going to admit that. Right? The Raiders may kind of say it to Derek Carr, not along the lines of we're not going to pay you, but we're not going to continue to pay you. That's it. This is over. We're going elsewhere with our money. See... One of the arguments, one of the very good arguments for the Cowboys not giving up on Dak Prescott for Tom Brady is post-Brady, what are you going to do? You're going to go back to the days of Quincy Carter and Chad Hutchinson? Well, the younger quarterbacks are better now because teams aren't insisting on jamming the square peg into the round hole. Teams are playing to the strengths of the quarterbacks based upon what they do at the college level. So you're eventually going to find your young quarterback who ends up being good. 
And maybe when the time comes for that guy to get paid, if he's not willing to do the deal that you're willing to pay him, you tell him, all right, thanks, see you later, thanks for the memories, we're moving on. 3-2-1 Christ, could the XFL teams be sold to individual owners eventually? I, there's a way to do it where you buy shares. They're never going to go away from a single unitary ownership structure. And if the NFL could do it all over again, they would do the same thing. Because th that's a way you avoid any and all antitrust questions. You are one single business. You are not 32 independent businesses. And there's a way, they do it with the MLS, where it is a single unitary business model, but they sell shares to the quote-unquote owners of the individual teams and I wouldn't say it's impossible that Vince McMahon could sell ownership shares it's a way to raise some cash to continue to fund the business Paul PJ5 if this season is an uncapped year would it affect teams up against the cap do they have to worry about making moves since there would be no cap you know I need to as we get closer and closer to March 18 I need to see exactly what the rules are I don't know if it is an uncapped year this time around there are certain restrictions, there are certain limitations. I don't know if it's truly uncapped. I need to look into that. Especially, because I've just assumed all along they're going to get a deal done before March 18. But i got to be ready for reality if they don't. Michael Dannon, of all the 32 teams in the league, how many starting quarterbacks right now would have been able to lead the Titans last year to the AFC Championship? Well, Ryan Tannehill got them close. I mean... The Titans kind of went through the same conundrum the 49ers did. If you're running the ball well, why do you pass it all? I mean, the Titans beat the Patriots. The Titans beat the Ravens. And the Titans were up 10 points twice against the Chiefs. And then Patrick Mahomes did a Patrick Mahomes thing. So, I don't know. Tom Brady? I don't know. Recliner QB, how and or why is Todd Gurley so sensitive about his knee? It's obvious there's something causing his workload and production to trend down years before he hits the running back cliff at 30, unless you're Frank Gore, and it seems obvious it's his knee. Why avoid it? He just, he, he, he just, remember he said, quit putting bad energy on my knee. Like last year in the aftermath of him not playing the last two regular season games, not being himself in the postseason, and it came out there's an arthritic component in his knee. His trainer said that. There were reports, there were suggestions, and he just didn't like it. He didn't like it. It's an avoidance technique. It's la, 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 I'm not listening. He blocked us on Twitter, and I never even said anything. Someone in his camp said, man, you write too many Todd Gurley stories. He's like, no, I don't. I write stories when there's news. You write more about him than anyone. Uh, search Antonio Brown and get back to me. Brewski Drewski, should the Lions move on from Stafford and draft a quarterback in the first round? Would that be a step back for the Lions or a step forward? What would you suggest the Lions do? Well, I know what the Lions are going to do, because this stuff today allowed me to get my ducks in a row. First of all, they ain't trading him. $32 million in cap money this year would go against Matthew Stafford's name without him being on the team. They ain't trading him. And one of the reasons Matt Patricia took the job, I'm told, is because of Stafford. Stafford's one of the best quarterbacks in the game when he's healthy. And Martha Firestone Ford made it clear when she said Patricia and Bob Quinn are coming back next year, the way I interpret it, it's up or out in 2020 and if that's the case you want Matthew Stafford I don't know 40 I got shit for suggesting Brady to the Cowboys last week and it might not be for the best I could see it happening what do you really think yeah look I could see it happening I Jerry Jones dropped the facade and was candid about the shortcomings of Jason Garrett when for the first time when 
after they lost to New England. So you can either go get Bill Belichick or you can go get Tom Brady and you can't get Belichick. It would not, it would not stun me if it had, it would stun me, but I see it as a possibility. Slim, but I see it. Another one from I don't know 40. Do you think Des Bryant can make a comeback? And do you think it'll be with the Cowboys? I, I, you know, I can't tell, but he has made it clear that he's in the right frame of mind to come back. And I'd love to see him come back and I'd love to see it be with the Cowboys. All right, uh, my, my uh, 405 meeting is here, so I have got to go. I appreciate all the questions. I got in as many as you can. Ooh, our, our buddy Leapers 500 has a very good question about what's currently going on with the Department of Justice. But uh, fortunately, I'm sticking to football today because I'm out of time. We'll do this again soon. I can't do it tomorrow. We'll do it again next week but thank you for your questions thank you for your ongoing support check us out tomorrow morning pft live 6 a.m eastern shereen williams is back again with her new in-house camera that includes that roger staubach jersey that constantly reminds me of the hail mary game from 1975 thanks for that shereen thanks to all of you and we will talk very soon The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com/slash activecash.